Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So if you want to know, what do you have to do to become the greatest mom or dad you could possibly be? What do I do to become the greatest leader I could possibly be? What do I have to do to lead my home well on Father's Day? I believe there's a simplistic formula that the Lord God gives us that we can follow and we can do. Now in counseling, one of the first things you learn is this statement. Nothing ever changes until something does what? Changes. Nothing changes until something changes. In our spiritual life, that is true as well. When we don't allow the Lord God to change us and we become stagnant and stale, we begin the process of spiritually dying. When we allow the Lord God, however, to pour into us and place people into us and guide us and direct us, then what happens is we have a clear and wonderful understanding of meeting, reaching, and exceeding our God-given potential. As a dad, as a mom, as a parent, as a leader, as a boss, as an employee, any way you look at it. And so I don't know of anybody that couldn't benefit from a handful of simplistic steps of what would it take to become a man of God, a woman of God, a student after God's own heart, a grandpa, a grandma, looking to become all that God wants them to be. And so in today's sermon, we wanna take a few teachings and whittle them down to their bare necessity, find a few points that might be able to guide us and direct us Monday through Saturday and prepare us for a summer where we lead well, we love well, and we live well. And so today, let's jump into that. Now, to begin with, let's take a look, and don't, don't take your Bibles and open them yet because we're going to go a lot of different ways. But for right now, just take a look at the screen, and I want you to look at this passage with me that's found in the Old Testament in Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 30, this is, would you read it with me? And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Guys, you'll leave that up for just a minute. (coughs) I want to make sure that we grasp what Ezekiel is getting at here. The Lord is searching for a man or men that would be able to fill the gap. Now, here's the picture you've got to get. Imagine, if you will, that your family lives in, 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 a, in a small castle and there is a wall around the castle, but the wall has been broken in several places and you have to rebuild the wall. And, and it's going to take a family, it's going to take a family member to step into that part that was broken and they're going to have to stand guard in there to ensure that now it is safe you can rebuild that wall. Nehemiah dealt with this when he rebuilt the walls of the temple. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and, and when he did so, he did it in, in such a time that people were amazed. But part of what we learned in Nehemiah is this concept of standing in the gap. You see, the walls had been torn down, and Nehemiah had heard from God that he was to rebuild the walls around the temple. And so Nehemiah had a very unique plan on how he was going to rebuild the wall. 
He took a family. And so let's just assume for a minute that he took the Adams family, and then he took the Thigpen family, and then he came over here and he took the Allen family, and he came over here and he, and he grabbed several families. And he said, you're in charge of building this section of the wall. And you're in charge of building that section of the wall. And the, the wall needs to be this high, and it needs to be this wide, and it needs to be built of these things. And then the families who had to work side by side, some of them were like, no, I ain't done it. I'm not going to do it because I don't like those people. I'm not building my wall next to them. I'm not going to join my wall next to them. I'm not going to connect next to them. You know why? I'm a little better than they are. No. So Nehemiah had this wonderful plan that, that he put in place that instituted mutual accountability. Because Nehemiah said, okay, then here's what we're going to do. When we rebuild the wall, you and your family are going to live right behind the section you're supposed to build. So if you don't build the wall this high and this wide, and if you don't join the wall between these two families, when the bad guys come in, you and your family are the first to die. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Guess what? They all started working together. What Ezekiel is talking about here is we need some people that will stand in the gap to choose to make a difference. People that are built, that are solid, that you know they're walking with God, that you can find wisdom from them. You know that their life is not a, is not a sham. You know that when they come to church, they're not faking it. You know that they're living for Jesus, they're striving to live for Jesus. The kind of people that when you look at you think, when I'm, in, when I'm backed in a corner, I want to be with them. When I'm in a foxhole, I want to be in the foxhole with them. I want you to just clear your mind for a second and think, who is that kind of person in your life? Who's the person that when, it, man, when the storms hit, they're in, they're in the basement with me. I mean, when the wind is howling, they're with me. When the ship is sinking, they're with me. I can count on these people. And when you think about those, most of us are unbelievably blessed if we can name one. Many of us can't get past one into two or three. But wouldn't you want to be that kind of person for the people you love most? If you're here and a dad, wouldn't you want to be that kind of person for your spouse and your family, for your kids? I wrote a blog post that, that posted out today about 10 things my dad taught me. There were hundreds of them, but, but I, I, I just jotted them down. I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll share them with y'all so you don't have to read. And uh, here's a few of them. My dad said, son, there are four things that you cannot hide in this life. Money, ugly, stupid, and fat. You're the wise guy. Number two, son, if you never learn how to square up and frame a wall, you'll never square up your life. I'm still good shaking my head on that one. Son, you're not that much to look at. Be sure you take her flowers. I ain't kidding, by the way. Son, you can tell a lot about a man by what he keeps in his truck. My dad never went anywhere without his Bible, ever. Son, if you can't lead children to Jesus, you're going to be a pitiful preacher. I, it, that's an amen right there, I'm telling you. Son, if you don't lose that weight before you're 40, you never will. Son, never trust lazy people and never become a lazy man. Son, there's three things that will cost you your career and your family. Money, women, and pride. Son, never get so busy that you stop fishing. 
Sadly, neither dad nor I have taken that one up. I look back on those things. You say, well, Chuck, there's nothing terribly spiritual about those. No, they weren't. But I'm telling you, I'd give all I own to have a 10-minute conversation with my dad. You know why? Because he was the kind of guy that stood in the gap for me. My dad had the ability to look at me and know that when, when, when his son needed something, he found a way to help him. Now, he was tough, man. I mean, dad, dad could wear you out with a paddle, man. But, da- but, but dad was that guy. So I began to thinking, what, what were the kind of things that I would look for a, a buddy, a friend? What kind of dad do I want to be? And I, be, I, I, learned, I wanted to be the kind of dad that would learn how to lean. When I was a little boy, I remember being in church in my Sunday best and having a bow tie on and my hair with brill cream in it and singing the song, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Y'all remember that old hymn? I remember doing that. And I began to think, this is what a man of God, this is what a person of God, this is what a mom, a dad that can stand in the gap, this is what they would be able to say, that they are men and women that learn how to lean into the presence and the power of Jesus, and they learn to lean into the Lord. How do I know that? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. The purpose in this is that we learn how to do a trust fall into the hands of Christ because we can trust him with all of our heart. Now, the word heart there, if you look at it through a physical perspective, we're talking about this organ. If we look at it through a spiritual or biblical perspective, we're talking about our being from top of head to end of toe, our soul, everything about us, our temperament, everything that we are wired up. This is what it's saying. It's saying, trust the Lord with all of your being and don't depend on your own. Now, this is why. Why should I not trust on my own understanding? My own understanding is where I take the wrong, the wrong exit. And the right exit is when I follow the Lord. When I follow my own understanding, then I'm following in a selfish path, and I'm looking out for what's best for me, not as what's best for those I love. You cannot be a person that stands in the gap and be a selfish person at the same time. Those two do not exist. You cannot be a person that always has to have it your way and be the person that stands in the gap. You cannot be a person who doesn't love God and still be the person that wants to stand in the gap. The tax you pay to be the person that stands in the gap for your family, for your children, for your spouse, is that I have surrendered with all my heart my way to the way of the master. This is what it means to lean into Jesus. But we lean into him also for salvation. Listen to what Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You know, you put three men in a room and you know what you have? Liars. Because we love to try to one-up one another. Well, I did this. Well, I did that. And you say, well, they're just, they're just little white lies. Little white lies are the ones that get us in big trouble. You see, when we look at this and know, I can't do this on my own. When we get on our knees before a holy and a righteous God, whether you're a man, a woman, a student, or a kid, what we know is this. We're saying, God, I need you. I am not you. You alone are you, and I'm surrendering and trusting you, all of my being, I'm surrendering to you, like Rhonda said, and I'm surrendering that to you because by grace, you have saved me when I believed. You say, well, Chuck, it can't be that easy. Why would somebody give their life for me, be buried for me, raised from the dead for me, and do all that without a price on their head? Because he loves you. 
But you cannot stand in the gap unless he's with you, in you, controlling you, holding you for salvation. When we learn to lean into Jesus, the first thing we lean into is his salvation. That all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the point. All of us have missed the bullseye. Our life from the days of Adam and Eve, we are sinful men and women. Here's what I know about every person in this room and watching online. Every single person in here, every person online is an addict. You say, well, Chuck, I'm not addicted to anything. Sure you are. We are all addicted to sin. And when we look at it through that lens, we recognize our desperate need to lean into the arms of Jesus for salvation. But you know what else we lean into his arms for? We lean into his arms for control. We lean into his arms for control. Our, we're, we're bad, guys. All of us, we're pretty bad about controlling things. How many of you are remote control freaks? Any of you? How many of you will admit it? Uh, ladies, how many of your men are, are, are control freaks when it comes to remote control? Okay, a lot more hands came up on that one. Yeah, yeah. I am too. I don't feel like I'm really watching television unless I have the remote. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's under the control. Because if you do it right, you'll never watch a commercial. You just keep clipping, right? Did you know you can really watch five shows at one time? Or at least you, I believe you can. When we surrender and we lean into control, we cease trying to make things happen and we trust him for what happens. Listen to what the, the, the gospel writer Matthew said in chapter 18, verse 3. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, you know what the scripture is saying is? If you're going to be a man, if you're going to be a woman that stands in the gap, if you're going to be a person, a leader, a parent that stands in the gap, here's what you'll have to do. You will have to recognize that you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You will never be able to stand in the gap until such time you, as you come with childlike faith. You know what a childlike faith feels like? A childlike faith has no problem saying, God, I need you. A childlike faith doesn't feel the need to come to church and fake it. A childlike faith doesn't, doesn't figure out I need to be two different people to two different groups. A childlike faith says, I, I'm willing, I understand, I cannot do it in my own, I cannot control this, and I need the strength of Jesus. I'm willing to lean into strength. How do you lean into strength? How do you lean into control? Listen to what Isaiah said in chapter 40, verse 30. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we are people that choose to lean into the presence and the power of Jesus, when we lean into his presence for salvation, when we lean into his power for control, when we lean into his person for strength, what happens is God begins to mold and create within us a person who can stand in that gap, a person that you can count on, and a person that your family will look to. Well, you say, well, Chuck, I don't want all that. Do you know birth within every human is a desire to succeed? Some of you are driven by it. Some of you are not so driven by it, but it's there. We have learned through study after study that all of us want to be something else. All, all of us want to become a better us, which means we, got, we have to tap in and lean into his supply. Listen to what Philippians 4.19 says. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things I love most, I love being able to do something for Jenny or to do something for my family or do something for my girls. 
And if you're like me, you have seasons where you can do that, and you have other seasons where you can't. You have seasons that you wish you could, but there's always a desire to do that. But when we have a willingness to lean into the fact that all of our sustenance is in the hands of a righteous God, that he chooses, that he's going to elevate those of us that he chooses to, and he's going to minister to those of us that he chooses to, the Lord God Almighty will do as he pleases, and all he's looking for is that we might be faithful and trust him with what he's given us. And when I've learned to be grateful for what he's already given me, I find this fascinating truth. All of a sudden, what I have is enough. When I'm really grateful for what the Lord has already given me, I find that his supply is more than enough. But you know what the, the other part of learn, learning and leading looks like? That I learned to lean into learning. Listen to what James wrote, James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This is one of two prayers that any man or woman can pray and God will answer. Now think about that. The Lord says, I'm never going to rebuke you if you ask for wisdom. And we know that all wisdom comes from on high. So if I look at this and say, I want to le lean into learning, then this means I'm willing to be discipled, to be grown up, to become a person that can stand in the gap. And then I'm going to lean into leading. Well, what, is it is, what does it mean to lean into leading? Well, listen to what again, what the gospel writer Matthew said in chapter 20. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Mom, dad, grandparent. The only way that the Lord Jesus has called us to lead our families and his church is that we serve one another. You cannot stand in the gap and not be a servant for others. You cannot stand in the gap and not want others to succeed. You cannot stand in the gap unless you're willing to say, I'm willing to sacrifice, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to lead like Jesus. So today, maybe the question you've got to ask is, if God called me to stand in the gap, could I? Would I? Because I think we would all agree we should. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that somehow, some way, in your never-ending love, you made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. Lord, we're grateful that what you called us to and what you called us to serve through is that we might be men and women that could stand in the gap. Men and women that could be faithful. Men and women that would lean into you with all of our being, with all of our soul. Lord, for every, for every person online, every person in the room, Lord, if you're calling them to follow you, I pray they would have the courage to just say, Jesus, I need you. Come and live in my life. Make me new again. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you, God. And if that's the desire of your heart, let that be your prayer today. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. 
For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.